0: So I want to talk about the Holy Spirit in relation to his gifts today and look into detail more detail as in terms of discerning discerning the gifts and I'm going to spend two Sundays on this because there's so much I wanted to share and this Sunday is not enough discerning the gifts can read. I don't need that. The first thing I, I want to talk about in terms of discerning the gifts is spiritual gifts. Its main purpose, the main purpose of the gifts, by the way, is to glorify Christ, is to glorify Christ. And that is really what's being discussed in the first uh, portion of First Corinthians 12. You know, we're going to spend time on this chapter and up to ch- chapter 14, um, because this is really where the discussions, the detailed uh, um, uh, message with regards to spiritual gifts uh, but I want to say something first based on a few things that jesus said and it's 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 interesting that this is what you find in scripture first thing is you, you notice that we told, we've been reading this passage uh uh before we read this passage before and we know that jesus he does not speak on his own authority he only speaks what the, what he gets from his father basically he he, he He draws his wisdom, knowledge, and whatever he needs to do, and whatever he needs to say from the Father. This is the pattern you find in Jesus' life. But if you look at the Holy Spirit, it is the same thing. But this time, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own authority. He will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are yet to come. And in fact, what is... Who is the spirit uh, listening to? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning whatever the spirit speaks of and whatever, whatever the spirit does, it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the main purpose of why the spirit does this and what his mission is to glorify. Jesus said there, he will glorify me. He will take what is mine and make it known to you. That's that's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's taking what belongs to Jesus and making it known to you, revealing it to you. So you you notice this hierarchy in the Trinity where God the Father is the source and and Jesus draws from what the Father gives him while the Spirit draws from what Jesus gives him. And the Spirit, of course, gives it to who? To all of you. To all of you. Isn't that amazing? Father, the Son, and to the Spirit. Then the Spirit, to us, declare it to you. So this is what you find in Scripture, that there's this hierarchy in terms of authority when it comes to, when it comes to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, let me read you the first four, four verses uh, of our first passage today. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant in some other translation. You know that when you, you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, However, you were led. Paul was sort of joking. There is that you were led by idols. Whatever it means, I don't, I don't really know. But you were led by those idols. Verse three. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse, meaning a person with who. Who has the Spirit of God Cannot deny Jesus Christ cannot, cannot say that Jesus does not exist Cannot say that Jesus is not Lord And he says there That no one can say Jesus is Lord Except by the Holy Spirit Except by the Holy Spirit Okay Of course I'm going to read the last part And now there are various gifts But by the same Spirit Different kinds of gifts So So This chapters, chapter 12, chapter 13, the love chapter, and chapter 14 of Corinthians talks about the gifts of the spirit. But what you notice in these passages, in these first three verses of this series on the gifts of the spirit, pulls him to give gives us a warning. He's giving us a warning, he's giving us a word of caution. So this is my, per- I, I want to spend more time in this. Because why? we need to ask the question, how come Paul here, Apostle Paul, is giving a warning at the beginning of the topic on gifts? Why is there a word of caution here? Now, if you go back to, chapter, to verse 1, we're going to work on this passage, oh, verse by verse. The word gifts there, by the way, concerning spiritual gifts, it actually does not exist in the Greek on the original translation. It's not there. Basically, what Paul was saying only, now concerning spiritual, brothers, I do not want you to uninformed. So, so somehow it doesn't really make sense in the English. But if you try to understand what the Greek was saying, he, he's basically saying, now concerning spiritual matters. Because the word spiritual there can be translated as spiritual realm. So he's talking about, now concerning things of the spiritual realm. I do not want you to be ignorant. So basically, Paul was talking something more general at this point in this, in this passage, in this, in this chapter, more general just gifts. And let's move on. Let me go to verse 3 now. Let's go back to verse 2 later on. And Paul goes on to say, that if you have the Holy Spirit, you cannot say Jesus is a curse. Because you now have the Spirit of God. You cannot curse Jesus Christ. And I hope as a believer, you haven't experienced that at all. But maybe maybe you might have said it without even thinking. Maybe did some kind of, you know, a lot of people in this country curse and cuss. But as a Christian, it becomes, you should not be doing that anymore. Because you now your life is now supposed to honor Christ and you have the Spirit of God. So we don't do that. But secondly, you notice that it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can say Jesus is Lord with all our heart. When somebody says Jesus is Lord and you mean it with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul, only the Holy Spirit can do that in a person's life. It cannot be forced, you cannot force a person to say Jesus is Lord, by the way. It is God Himself who works in a person's heart. And, and what you notice also in what Paul is saying this in this chapter, actually, it's in, in chapter two, verse 14, that not only that only the person who has the spirit can say Jesus is Lord. Only the person who has the spirit of God can understand the things of God. Can understand the word of God, can understand truth, can accept truth. That's why if you don't accept the Bible, if you don't accept the teachings of the word of God, there's a huge possibility is that you don't have the spirit of God in you. That's the only explanation. And a person without the spirit, this Bible, the things of God is foolishness to him. That's what the passage is saying there. It says there that it is spiritually discerned uh, and, and it cannot be understood by just human, human thinking or human reasoning. The spiritual realm, by the way, and the spiritual things, that's where logic, science, reasoning fails. It cannot go there anymore. That's why if you just use logic, science for your belief system, for your worldview, you, there's a huge portion in reality that's outside of your realm that you cannot, cannot ever figure out. So this is chapter, uh, verse 3. Now I'm going to go back, sorry, I'm going to go back to verse 2. Because this is where it's it interesting. Verse two. This is what he reminds Corinthians. Before you became believers, when you were pagans. By the way, Corinthians were pagans. They worship different kinds of idols, right? And one of the biggest a uh, temple, uh, uh, temple worship of Aphrodite, I guess, was in was in Corinth, and 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 uh, I think it's Diana. And and it was a goddess of fertility and there was there was lots of prostitutes in the temple, thousands of prostitutes. And so this was the kind of culture that Corinth was in. And and, and the people who were in this church, they used to live like that. They used to worship those idols, the Roman gods and goddesses, you know, Zeus, um, you know, and, and the rest. And and Paul is saying here that when you were pagans, you were deceived, you were led astray by mute idols. Mute idols. Now, when we think of idols, we often think of idols as, as something that's made of stone, which is true. A lot of the idols are made of stone. They're made of gold. They're made of wood. And they're mute, and they cannot do anything. They're just there. And people worship, bow down to those idols. The idols just there. And so, yes, it's mute. It doesn't do anything. It's nothing. And you're going to ask Paul, Paul, I thought the idols were just made of stone and wood. Why are you saying that these idols lead people astray? Why? Actually, Paul gave us the answer. Now, gave us the answer. And let me go there. First thing, Paul is saying in First Corinthians 10 20, he says, Those idols, by the way, they're not really innocent. They're not really mute in a way, in a physical, in a spiritual sense. Because behind those idols, what Paul is saying, are demons. There are demons, actual evil spirits, working behind those idols. Uh, in says there, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. So whenever a pagan pagan or whoever sacrifices an idol it's not really the physical idol that they're sacrificing to it is the demon that is working behind those idols and that's the reality that paul is showing us but another thing you find out also in scripture that the not only that those idols are being uh, uh, influenced by demons or the demons are behind those things these demons they teach these are this deceitful spirit, and they teach us well. Listen to what Paul is warning Timothy here. Now the spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits' teachings of demons. You know, some of you might might. I know someone told me this, but I don't want to mention his name. But someone told me that how come you you. Sometimes someone, you know, you have to believe, you believe everything the pastor Al says. You know, my goal in this, every time I preach, is not for you to believe in me. That's really the reason why I'm showing you all these verses. I, and I take time to go through all this because I, what I'm saying is I'm seeing something in Scripture. And I know this is what I'm seeing is, Lord, looks like this is real. This is true. This is what you're saying. And I want you to understand the same way. I'm not here preaching to you, telling you, trying to believe what I say. I'm trying, what I'm trying to do is, this is what scripture is saying. and This is what is showing me. And I hope you see the same thing. And that you believe what this is saying, not what I'm saying. And I hope you do believe what I'm saying as well. But this is where you need to see first. That's why I'm not forcing you to believe me. I want you to believe the word that's being spoken here. And I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. I just see what, what. Then it's up to you to make that decision Some of you might be feeling bored Why does I show all these verses And take time to go to different cities In Acts and things like that Because I want you to see what I see I'm not going to just give you a plate And tell you to eat My my approach and our approach for ministry here Is just like what Oliver said one time I'm trying to teach you how to fish I'm not going to give you fish I'm going to teach you how to fish And this is how I fish (laughs) The Word of God and and and, and, and I, I'm convinced by this and I hope this convinces you but this is the reality that the demons they're not only working behind those idols but they teach they reveal information they, they reveal knowledge as well that is false they reveal these ideas ideas that can destroy not only not only non-christian people not only world people of the world but they can destroy people Believers, they can destroy your life. In fact, it is because of these kinds of teaching that some Christians, that's why the warning that Paul gave here in, 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 to Timothy, some Christians ended up departing from the faith, leaving Christianity because they believe in these teachings of demons. Demons. And do you know that a lot of our teachings today comes from demons? And people are not aware of it. There's historical, archaeological evidence that these idols from history have been feeding information to the human race. And there's historical evidence from that. Egyptian, Babylonian culture. They have this belief in ancient times that the ideas they have, the technology that they have, were fed from their gods. And there's evidence for this archaeologically. And so that kind of mindset, we probably lost that today because we don't, people don't worship idols today like the way they used to. But the ideas that come from demons are still with us. People might think this is human ideas, but it's not. Many of this doesn't come from, from humans. We're not that smart, actually. You've got these demons that are thousands of years old. And they know a lot of things. So if you want to look at those kinds of evidence, I'll leave it up to you. Um, I think it's discussed in the book by, Clay and I we have been reading this book, uh, The Spiritual Realm, and those are one of the things discussed there. So the warning is this. The warning is this, in this first part of Corinthians, that a spiritual experience, any kind of spiritual experience, or a spiritual ability Or a spiritual gift Miracles Healings Can be counterfeit By Satan This is the warning that Paul That's why Paul prefaced the, His topic on spiritual gifts With this because it can be counterfeit It can be counterfeit Not only by demons and Satan It can be counterfeit by emotions By human effort And flesh The flesh, and the question is: How do we know if the spiritual experience comes from the Spirit, from the Holy Spirit, or comes from the demons, or comes from the flesh? How do we distinguish that? Is it because this experience made me feel good and I'm happy? Does it mean it comes from God? Not necessarily. If the experience solved my problems and I was having a lot of issues in my life and finally I got my problems solved because of this spiritual experience, does it tell you that it's from God? Satan can still use that, can still do that. Maybe it made me feel better. I got well from my sickness. It's hard, right? But the thing is, Satan can still counterfeit that. What's the only test? God gave us the answer. Paul gave us the answer. The spirit that comes from God confesses Jesus is Lord. We, that is how you make the test. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The, exp- the spiritual experience that you're going to have Or the gift that you have, how to test it, is through this, that it glorifies Jesus Christ, the living word. It glorifies Jesus Christ. It draws you to his word. It draws you to love him more, to do his will, to obey him. It brings you to that point of loving him, knowing him, his word. Going deeper because the word of God is, the, is it, it's Christ himself, right? This is called the written word. While Jesus is the living word. So if you love his word, you love Christ. If you want to obey his word, if you're going to obey his word, you love Christ. Meaning any kind of spiritual experience, if it does not draw you to the word of God, it doesn't draw you to Jesus Christ, it doesn't glorify Christ, probably it's not from God. Even though how good it is. Because the problem today, we judge on external things. When we see a church where people are jumping around and like that, we think the Spirit of God is working there. I've been there. No, that's not a good indication. I've been to a church where the leader, worship leader was stone deaf. He could not even sing well. The, 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 the pianist, I was telling the pastor, hey, can I replace him? Because he wasn't playing the right chords all the time. And, and, and it, was, it was really, it was painful, the worship. But did you know that was the best, one of the best worship I've experienced in my life. Why? Because that church, and there was only 20 people, less than 20 people in the church. It centered on the word of God. And I fully understood what worship means, what it means to glorify God. You notice the song we sang today, it's different than the songs we sang before. You notice what's the difference? It points to God. You are singing to God. You're not singing about how you feel. A lot of songs today, oh, I feel like this, Lord. I feel like that. You know, it's okay to do that maybe time to time. But God wants us to honor Him, honor His name. Honor his character, honor his nature. The more songs we sing that just points us to God and not about what we think or feel, it glorifies God. Remember in Revelation, what's the song of the angels and everyone in Revelation? That song that they used to worship God, what did they say? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the earth we filled with your glory, oh God. Heaven and earth filled with your glory, holy, holy. Imagine that moment. Are you going to sing, Lord, I, I feel in my heart that this is what I think of you. This is what I, you know. Let's just focus on him when we worship. Just like those angels, you just cry out holy. <laughs> Let me get my glasses. I promise I'll have a new set of glasses next week. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you a spiritual experience you had, a spiritual gift. Does it draw you to God or does it draw you to the leader? Does it draw you to Jesus Christ or does it draw you to the elder or or the band or the church itself? Did you know that there are many Christian churches, they're so proud of promoting that. We are this church. We are this kind of church. I mean, it's good to do that maybe for promotions, but, but you should be promoting Christ. Not your group, not your band, not your album or whatever. And, and, and what's your experience in those kinds of moments? Are you drawn closer to the word of God? Or you're just drawn to the leader or whatever There, there is there. You know, there's some, one of you, I'm not going to mention your name. You went to this church, a big church. And I ask you, what was the reason why you went there? Oh, I just want to see the pastor. He's guapo. <laughs> this was a real answer I got. I'm not going to be specific. <laughs> if you know your, who it is, is, then you probably know it. <laughs> one, also, one, old, one, one office mate of mine, I asked him, why do you go to church regularly? And he's been going to the church for a while. And he said, oh, I like the band. It's so good. The music is so good. I think that band failed in presenting Christ. Because that person has been going there and all he was after was the music and the band. Still far from Christ. You know, I'm going to talk about a little bit of my background when I was in college because this shows something that in relation to what I'm saying. I went to this church for a while, for four years, and I was a new Christian, very new Christian, and I moved to a new plates, and I ended up going to this big church, and, and because most of my classmates go there as well, and, and, and that church had a lot of emotional spiritual experience. If you talk about people raising their hands, crying, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is a wrong thing to do, but I wanna show you the priority of the church. There were people crying and singing and, of course, jumping as well, and, and there were spiritual signs, miracles going on. I was in his church, and, and, and I was there for four years. I was involved in the youth ministry, the music ministry, campus ministry. I was involved in every kind of ministry. There were prayer and fasting, prayer times, a lot of activities going on, and I was tried my best to be part of those. And I was even friends with the leader of the church, the elder of the church, and hang out with him at his house. And did you know that in those years that I was in the church, for four years, this is just my experience, might be different with you. I almost, I grew as a Christian zero percent. I Meaning I didn't really grow as much as a Christian, almost zero. I still had a worldly heart. I was active in church, but outside of church, I'm still doing a lot of bad things. I don't want to mention those things. And why did, what, what, what happened to me? Why, why did this happen to me? In the church, the pastor and our youth leaders failed to lead us to the word of God. They didn't lead us to the word of God. They didn't explain the word of God like this. And, and what I've experienced there is the pastors would share his own testimony, his personal feelings, his good stories. And they were good. They were ex- good stories, enjoyable. And put some verses, mention some Philippians 4.13, John 3.16, you know, mention a few verses here and there. Just to make the sermon, to have some scripture in the sermon. And, but their beliefs were based on hearsay. This is what, what you hear from people I was with there. And some of them are my friends, even today. There's some of my friends, but they changed already now. But back then, this is one of the things they believe. If you commit a sin, the Holy Spirit will leave you. You need to confess right away. Al, you need to confess right away so that the Spirit will return back. That's what they believe. They will, they will say, you have to confess right away. Because you have to pray, pray again so that it will come back to you. That is a lie. That's a hearsay. That's not what the Bible teaches. So they're believing in these kinds of things and it's not based Scripture. Then what happened after that moment, I was there after four years being there, by accident I ended up going to a church that had only less than 20 members. From 3,000 members, 20, 20, less than 20. And the, and the pastor preach the Word of God, explain to me the Word of God like this, and help me truly understand every detail in the Word of God as much as he can, I grew up like a rocket, rocket ship. So as a Christian, it's not really about emotions or feel-good experience. That can be good sometimes. But if you look at Scripture, most of the time, you, what you find is people... Hearing the truth, knowing the truth, and making a decision to obey the truth. Remember in the eunuch, Estophian eunuch, what did Philip just show to him? That Jesus is the Christ from the prophecies. And you know what the eunuch said in, 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 uh, in Acts? He said, here's water. What should prevent me from being baptized? That's his decision. Now that I know Jesus is Christ, oh, I want to be baptized. There's water. He simply made a decision. There's no crying. No emotions involved, simply a decision to obey Christ. And most of the time in Scripture, that's what you find. For instance, there's this moment also in our worship when we say, I love you, Lord, like what we sang earlier, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. And sometimes we sing a hundred times, I love you, Lord. Is that how we express our love to God, by singing I love you, Lord, a hundred times? I mean, it's good to sing that from time to time. But remember Peter, when God, when Jesus told him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, do you love me? What did Peter, how did Jesus respond? Feed my sheep. (laughs) Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. (laughs) You know this. He is seeking obedience. He's not asking for us to sing I love you a hundred times. In fact, this is why a lot of the things we experience today is a bit sad because people think that is worship. But what God looks for us is obedience from Scripture. Obedience. I hope hope you see this. I hope you see this. Let me go to the next point. That's why we are being warned. Because spiritual experience and spiritual gifts can be counterfeit by the enemy. Because the only way to know if something is from God and from Jesus Christ. If it glorifies the Lord. If it draws you to his word. If it draws you to Jesus Christ. Get to know him better. Love him better. Obey him. Number two. Uh, can you go to the... Okay. The second thing I want you to know also. It's on the succeeding verse. Is spiritual gifts allows you to effectively become Christ's... Body becomes you become the feet, the hand, the mouthpiece of God, the eye of Christ, or whatever part of the body you are in the body of Christ. It makes you more effective. The spirit, the spiritual gifts, allows you to do this effectively. Um, let me go to this passage here. Okay, First uh, Corinthians 12 5 to 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And says there, I will, I, I will know, oh, sorry, why did it move there right away? Is it there, Jimmy, the entire passage? I'm going to read it to you. Uh, I don't know why it moved to different verse. Now, um, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I'm going to go back up. I think, I don't know why, why it's lost. Okay, good, good. Now, there are varieties of service by the same Spirit, but by, by the same Lord. You're still missing something. Okay, let me just read to you what I have. Now, there are varieties of gifts by the same Spirit. There are varieties of service by the same Lord. There are varieties of activities or effects by the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. For the common good, meaning the purpose of the Holy Spirit's gift. In the end, it says there, for the common good of the church. The first thing you find out is that, we talked about this in the last two weeks, that the gifts allow you to effectively serve others in the body of Christ by giving you, you know, the wisdom, the strength you need to do it, to do whatever God calls you to do. Um, and it's for the common good, not just for, not just for personal good. Secondly, you'll, you'll see in that passage also that there is what we call ministry or service, ministry. So ministry are the specific roles or... or, or uh, purpose that you have in the body of Jesus Christ. Like for me, I have a specific role as a pastor. Some of you might have a specific role as, a, as an usher, but you need certain gifts to do that. Like me as a pastor, I need the gift of wisdom. I need the gift of knowledge. Maybe as an usher or as a, as a person who's in charge of the meals, you need someone who has the gift of hospitality and love, uh, the gift of uh, what do you call this service and hospitality. We don't want our ushers and uh, kitchen people to be and, and, and they're, 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 they're angry at you or, or they're not being very hospitable. You want them to smile and be friendly, right? Because you don't want to su- suspect them putting something, right? <laughs> or the ushers, because you come into church, they have to have the gift of hospitality, right? And service are willing. And, and if you don't have that kind of gift of hospitality, you're, that's not the ministry for you. Or if you're not friendly, then maybe that's not the ministry for you as well, right? So you need, to, you need to have the right gift for the right ministry. And the impact of the ministry, God, it says there, varieties of activities or effects. The impact of your ministry, whatever you do, is God's work. When, I was, uh, when we started as a church, maybe before we started as a church, we were still a Bible study group back then. One of the pastors in Houston, uh, Norman knows him, Pastor Al Cabrera. He's also Pastor Al. And he's in Katy, I guess, right? Or somewhere there? Yeah, Houston, okay. And, and he came over and gave some advice uh, before we started as a church. And I really like what he said. You know, it, it, I held on to it. His first advice for me as a pastor and as a group, there were a few of us. I think Susette was there in Ariel and Ann also. Uh, before we started the church, he said, remain faithful. Preach the best sermon and have the best worship service whether there's one person in, this, in the church or there's a thousand people in the church. You know, the quality and the excellence of your service is not determined by the number of people or whether there's an event or there's an anniversary or whatever. You should be excellent in Thing we do, whether there's one or many. And that's really a test of your faith. Are you able to continue doing ministry even though you don't see results? Because what God afters is after is consistency and faithfulness. Really, that's what he's looking for from, from us, from me and from all of you, that you are faithfully doing the ministry. We're bowling today. What if only two people came? We're still going to play, right? <laughs> but we ended up having around 20, right? It's good. Next time, I think we're going to have one more before the end of the month, right? Maybe. Let's, let's, let's pray about it. <laughs> now, I would like to see this happen in our church because the second point here, which is uh, um, in this passage, is that we as a church, we work together as a body. We work together in unity. And what unites us is not really the gifts itself. You know, we cannot have the same gifts. We cannot have the same ministry, by the way, in the church. So we're not, we're not united by having the same gifts or the same ministry. What unites us, as you see in that passage, and even the prior passage, is that it is the, we have one spirit, one Lord, and one Father. And that is what unites us as Christians. In Philippians 1.27, this is what we're told, that... Uh, Okay, Jimmy, go there. In Philippians 1.27, we are told that I will know you, that you stand firm in the Spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. That we are one as a church, striving for the faith of the gospel. Though we have different ministries, different kinds of gifts, different kinds of abilities, but what unites us is that we are all baptized into Jesus Christ, meaning immersed into the Spirit, and and also fulfilling one purpose for the sake of the gospel, faith of the gospel. Now, let me try to illustrate this in our church, and this is where I want our church to be. I know we're partially doing this, but, but this is a dynamic that I want our church to see uh, often, meaning this is something happening regularly in our church. That's why we need to pray. We need to pray. For instance, give me a, let me give you an example. Roel might invite an office mate to our church. And Cecil comes to the door and warmly welcomes this visitor. Then this visitor comes in and listens to the sermon and hopefully by God's grace open up his heart to Pastor Al's message and to the songs that was being led by, by, by Phoebe. Phoebe was the worship leader during that time. Then after during the meal time, after the service, this friend of, of Roel talks with Ariel and Joseph and they spent time during the fellowship time enjoying a pancit that was made by Nanay Presi. Then, during the week, Bernadette follows up the person through, through email, and Irwin tries to call the person by phone and tries to follow up and just ask how he is. Then, then that guy, that person, went and came again next Sunday and, and, and happens to sit with Carlo and Renel, and Carlo and Renel decided to share the gospel with this person. And he accepted Christ. And, and, and so I met with this, Pastor Al met with this person during dinner, or during lunchtime. And he decided to be baptized during the camp. So, we, so Pastor Al baptized him during the camp. And Randy decided to disciple this person. And Randy found out that the person has, his wife and his family are also here and he has teenage kids. And Ning decided to invite this family to their house for dinner and invited them for the, to the life group. Then, afterwards, his entire family started attending the church, and Faith encourages his teenage kids to join the youth ministry. And one, one Sunday, Marvin happened to sit with a man, with a dad, and, and he wanted to know the gospel more because he wanted to share this to his family. So Marvin tried to explain to him the gospel more. And of course, uh, he found out about the prayer ministry, and, he, and through Gabby's encouragement, Gabby, he commits to attend the Saturday prayer meeting. And take part in the prayer ministry. And while Joy and Jack began to began to spend time with a wife. And share the gospel with that wife. I'm just using some examples from each of you. But this is how the gospel works. The church works contending as one person for the gospel. This is how we work. We're we like all working together in making this happen. For the sake of the gospel. I hope that clears the point. This is how the church operates by the way. This is how It's not just me This is how we operate Each of us are strategically there Fulfilling certain purpose In, in this mission I hope that makes clear this is, a, this is an elaborate version Of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.6 He said, I planted the seed Apollos watered it And God made it grow That's really just a longer version of that verse That's the idea and that's, this is how we work as a church. We all work together. So we're not united because we have the same gifts or ministry, but because we have the same spirit. And this is how we become effective because of our gifts, because of our ministries, become effective in serving Christ and being the body of Christ. So that's why you don't, don't envy if someone has a better gift. You know, don't expect everyone in the church to practice the same gift because the Bible says that there are various gifts and various uh, 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 ministries and various effects. And you should not look down on someone whose gift seems to be insignificant. Amen? Let me read to you verse 12 to 26 and you will understand all of this in just this illustration. I don't have the passage there so I want you to listen. Verse 12 to 26 in chapter 12. For the body does not consist of one member but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body. You know, do you feel like that? I'm not the hand, I'm just the foot. That should not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the whole body was an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were uh, an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But, But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chooses. If all were a single member, for instance, if all were an eye, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. Nor again the head head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts that are not seen to be weaker and indispensable, uh, to be weaker are indispensable. It's amazing. The parts are not very obvious that are hidden are actually the most important parts. Meaning I'm not the most important part here then. <laughs> because I'm the one who's very here. But you know, in your body, your heart, your liver, if you lose those things, you're game over. If you lose the mouth and the hand, you're still alive. (laughs) So if I'm going to be gone from this church, then you're still going to survive then. (laughs) I think I'm the mouth here. (laughs) Uh, And those parts of the body, we think less honorable, we bestow the the greater honor. And our uh, our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lack it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If a member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. <laughs> Did you know that each one of you has a huge impact in this ministry? And if you suffer as a Christian, the church is going to suffer. That's the truth. I'm going to suffer. All of us are going to suffer. I did mention last week in closing, before we head to our Lord's Supper, I did promise just to give you an explanation as to why we are not practicing speaking in tongues in this church And I just want to close in this quickly. There's only, there's the answer to that question as to why is found in Corinthians chapter 14. And you will will understand why. You'll understand why. I'm just going to read to you some of the verses, Corinthians 14. I don't have the verses there as well. Verse 1, it says there, Pursue love earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gifts of prophecy. So so Paul encourages us as Christians that we desire the gifts of prophecy. And what is the gift of prophecy? Verse 3. On the other hand, one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. So meaning, the gift of prophecy is really preaching and teaching. It is to build people up in their faith, to encourage people to build them up in the Word of God. Paul is encouraging us and even the Corinthian church that you focus more, spend time more, and prioritize these kinds of gifts instead of the gift of tongues. Because he says here, the gift of tongues speaks only to men, but not, but, uh, not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Now, if the gift of tongues is only you and God talking, it defeats the entire purpose of the spiritual gift. It goes against everything we talk about today because the purpose of each of the spiritual gifts is to honor Christ, glorify Christ, and the common good of the church. But if you're the only one who understands what you're saying or you're the only one experiencing something with God, that was not the original intention of the gift. And by the way, the speaking of tongues has a, has a, has a practical reason. Every aspect of God's gift, there was a practical reason as to why it exists. In the book of Acts, that was the first time it was used, and it was used to preach to people who were on a different language. they spoke a different language. And, and the apostles they didn't they cannot speak those language. So as a result, God, God gave them a supernatural ability to communicate in a different language without them even learning that language. But today, think of the practical application of tongues. Rarely you can find any application of it. Why? Because all of us, we speak the same language. Most of us, at least. English. Some Tagalog, but we also know how to speak that. And other languages. So, I don't need supernatural power to communicate with you guys. Because we all speak the same language. But in a situation, maybe there's a rare situation where there's really no way to talk to someone. Then that's where you need the gift of tongues. And that's very good. That's useful there. But in a normal church setting, you don't usually need that. So, that's why... I would rather focus on things that is able to preach and under speak in words that's understandable. That's why if you go back down at the bottom here in 19 verse 19 of chapter 14 he says nevertheless in church I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words of a tongue. Is it clear? Clear? No question? It's clear, right? Paul is even saying that I would just speak five words that people understand rather than a thousand words that I don't really understand. And I can say that because I've been there. I spoke in tongues when I was a new Christian. And I didn't even understand anything I was saying. And sadly, there are many who speak in tongues. There's no interpretation going on. It's okay if it's interpreted, but most of the time not. And so I would rather just focus on something that's easy to understand, that all of us can understand, because... Gift of tongues, just like any other spiritual experience, can also be counterfeit by Satan. And one of the two, two, two experiences that I've known, someone I know personally, that in a church, people were speaking in tongues, and it turned out that they were speaking some other language that's human language, uh, either Korean or Japanese, I don't remember. And a visitor who was from Korea came in, and that person who's been speaking in tongues Sunday after Sunday after Sunday for a long time, and the church was so proud of that person, the visitor heard, and the person was cursing God. And he's been cursing God for many years already, because no one knew what he was talking about until someone understood what he was saying. They said, "Take that person out, because he's cursing God." And the church were proud of this person for many years. That's why you see the problem there. If you don't understand what person people were talking is talking about, it's very dangerous, right? And so, I would rather, that's why you notice in our church, I ask people to come up before the service and share their heart, their devotions. Because it's a training for prophecy, for preaching and teaching. So all of you who stand up here, maybe someday you're going to be preaching and teaching as well.